Well, I want to begin this morning by reading you the lyrics of a song. You'll never hear this song played on the radio or on Spotify. It will never win any awards. It's a song worthy of our notice. The song, originally composed in Chinese, is called 5 p.m. in China. This is how the song goes. 5 p.m. in China, prayers waft. The Lord's grace is poured down from heaven. How could high walls stop it? 5 p.m. in China, prayers waft. Prospers the gospel wholeheartedly, and may the Lord have mercy on us. 5 p.m. in China, prayers waft. Fly across mountains and rivers, comfort the souls that are hurt. Body is bound, but soul is free. Suffer for Christ, advance the gospel. May the Lord's kingdom prosper. That song was composed by Li Yingqiang, an elder of the Early Rain Covenant Church in China. He started the 5 p.m. prayer meeting in October of 2018 in anticipation of a crackdown on the church and his possible arrest. This way, even if he was no longer at the church, they could all be united in prayer at the same time. It was only two months later, in December 2018, that the crackdown came. Lee was arrested along with 150 other leaders and members of the church. Lee spent eight months in criminal detention. But every day, at 5 p.m., he would pray, knowing that at the same moment, others were praying for him and with him. While he was in the detention center, he wrote the song, 5 p.m. in China. Upon his release, he continued to have the 5 p.m. prayer meeting. He did so first online until about two and a half weeks ago when the national security officers came into his house to make sure that he was not participating in the online prayer meeting at 5 p.m. So what did Lee do? He and his family participated by praying as a family at 5 p.m. while the security officers watched. Despite the the harassment, despite the security officers sitting in their homes and monitoring them as they sang and as they prayed, they still prayed remembering those who languish in prison because of their faith. This is not new. This is not new. This is what Christians have done since the beginning. This is what the Apostle Paul pleads for at the end of the letter to the Colossians. In chapter 4, verse 18, the very last verse of the book of Colossians, Paul writes, I, Paul, write this greeting with my own hand. Remember my chains. Grace be with you. The last thing he asks of his readers is, please don't forget me. Remember that because I have been faithful to preach the gospel wherever I have gone, I now sit in prison, shackled and unable to remove. Remember my chains. Throughout the letter to the Colossians, Paul has lifted up 
and laid before his readers the, the ineffable beauty and the divine glory of Christ before, before them, extolling Christ's work and his wondrous gospel. He writes in Colossians 1, 15-18, He, that is Christ, is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn of all creation. For by him all things were created in heaven and on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or dominions or rulers or authorities. All things were created through him and for him. And he is before all things, and in him all things hold together. And he is the head of the body, the church. He's the beginning, the firstborn from the dead, that in everything he might be preeminent. Paul goes on to write in verses 19 to 20, For in him all the fullness of God was pleased to dwell. And through him to reconcile to himself all things, whether on earth or in heaven, making peace by the blood of the cross. In 127, he says that Christ is the hope of glory. In 3.4, he says Christ is our life. And so Paul has, has lifted us high into the heavens, reminding us of these most amazing truths about the Savior of the world. And then at the very end of the letter, he brings us back down to the nitty-gritty reality of the situation, of what it means to be a follower of this Savior. And if you use your imagination, you can hear the clanking of the shackles around Paul's feet as he penned these last few words, Remember my chains. Well, why are we thinking about this today? Today is the International Day of Prayer for the Persecuted Church. We pray for persecuted Christians around the world every week, but this month in particular, and this day for many specifically, is set aside to remember their chains. But today, we also had the opportunity to witness our brother Mark get baptized. A joyful occasion to be sure, and we celebrate with him. But what I hope to show is that these are not unrelated things. There is a line that runs from baptism to persecution to death. And so this morning, I want us to think for a little bit about the persecuted church. And then at the end, I will make some application for Mark on his day of baptism, but by extension to all of you who have publicly professed to be a Christian and have been baptized. And so I want to begin this morning by turning to Matthew 5. Matthew 5, verses 10 to 12. In Matthew 5, 10 to 12, Jesus is at the end of what we call the Beatitudes, these statements of blessedness. And in verses 10 to 12, Jesus says this. He says, Blessed are those who are persecuted for righteousness' sake, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are you when others revile you and persecute you and utter all kinds of evil against you falsely on my account. Rejoice and be glad, for your reward is great in heaven. For so they persecuted the prophets who were before you. Now, if you stop and think about what Jesus says there for a minute, you'll realize that from a humanly, worldly perspective, none of that makes any sense. None of it makes any sense. Rejoice and be glad in the midst of your persecution. You're blessed if false accusations are made against you on account of me. You're blessed, O oh Pakistani Christian, when people lie and say that you've blasphemed Muhammad so that you spend the next eight years in prison on death row. 
You're blessed if you are persecuted for righteousness' sake. Rejoice and be glad. It's impossible. It's impossible. This is impossible unless a miracle takes place. This is not a command for action. The command is not get up and go do something. No, the command is to the affections. Joy, gladness, when you're lied about. Joy, gladness, when the judge declares that your Bible is evidence of anti-government espionage and that you're a security threat. Joy, gladness, when you find yourself sitting in prison on account of your faithfulness to Christ. It's impossible unless a miracle takes place. John Piper, meditating on Matthew 5.12, says, Rejoice and be glad when you are reviled and persecuted and slandered for your faithfulness to Jesus, in reliance on Jesus, in obedience to Jesus, for the glory of Jesus. I call this a miracle because it is humanly impossible. In fact, I would argue that this is the most difficult command in the Bible. Namely, for Jesus' sake, to feel joy and gladness when you are reviled and persecuted and slandered. And yet, it's a miracle that takes place every day, thousands of times over, as Christians languish in prisons from Eritrea to North Korea to India to China. Many of these prisoners could get out if they wanted to, if they just renounced Jesus. If they denied him, say they're not a Christian, then they can be free. So why do they still sit in prison? Because the root of their joy, the root of their gladness, is not ultimately connected to things in this world, but to a person. Notice what Jesus says in verse 12. He says, Rejoice and be glad, for your reward is great in heaven. Jesus does not say, You're blessed if you're persecuted on account of me. Rejoice and be glad, because you get to go to heaven when you die. That's not it. That's not it. Jesus does not say that heaven is your reward. The thought of heaven is not going to help you to persevere. It was not the thought of heaven that helped Hamad Ashuri, a 31-year-old Iranian Christian, to endure being beaten because he refused to give up the names of other Christians that he was meeting with. It was not the thought of heaven that allowed him to pass on the offer of a large sum of money to give up the names of fellow Christians. It was not the thought of heaven that helped him to persevere in prison. It was not the thought of heaven that allowed him to say, I thank God for considering me worthy for enduring this persecution because of him. I thank God. Jesus says, rejoice and be glad, for your reward is great. In heaven. The reward is in heaven. And what reward is that? Well, it's God in Christ. It's God in Christ. You get the very one who can actually eternally satisfy the emptiness that is in your soul. You get to see and savor Jesus. You get to delight yourself in the radiant splendor of the glory of God in the face of Christ for all eternity. 
and the delight will never grow old, it will never wane, and his glory will never fade. Paul says in Philippians 1.21, For to me to live is Christ and to die is gain. Gain because you get God. 1 Peter 3.18, For Christ also suffered once for sins, the righteous for the unrighteous, that he might bring us to God. You get God. Blessed are those who are persecuted for righteousness' sake, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are you when others revile you and persecute you and utter all kinds of evil against you falsely on my account. Rejoice and be glad, because though you suffer now for a little while, though you sit in prison, though you lose your life because of me, I am your reward, and in my presence there is unending joy. Week by week we pray for persecuted Christians. We know they are there, but oftentimes it's difficult to put faces on them put stories with them. So I've tried to show you a few as we've been going on here. To truly understand what is happening in these other parts of the world, we want to see, we want to hear. And so this morning, we're going to watch two short videos, one now and one at the end of the sermon. And if you're visiting, we don't normally do this. But for today, I think it may be appropriate that we see and hear from our brothers and sisters who have undergone persecution. Now, many of you know I have a heart for Iran. My dad was born there. That's where he's from. Iran is always near the top of the countries that persecute Christians. And so for just a couple minutes, I want you to listen to the story of Taher. همه دنبال یه چیزی میگردن دنبال یه چیزی که خلعش رو پر کنه اسم این خلع رو نمیدونن چی اسم اون چیزی که اون خلع رو پر میکنن نمیدونن چیه صبح ساعت هفت و نیمه صبح من خواب بودم توی تخت وقتی من در رو باز کردم چون به عنوان پستچی اومده بود پاشا گذاشت لایه در که من نتونم هیچ حرکتی انجام بدم من با لباس خواب بودم خواهرم اتاق بغل خواب بود پدرم هم خونه نبود و حکم داریم که خونه شما رو بازرسی کنیم صبح زود من بیدار شدم و دیدم که مامانم کنارم نشسته و خب و بعدش صدای بیستیم شنیدم و از مامانم پرسیدم که چه اتفاقی افتاده دیگه شروع کردم به ریختن خونه و رفتم و دیدم که همه وسایلمون وسط خونه است همه کتابامون قاب اکسامون چیزی که مربوط می شد به مسیحیت رو برمیداشت حتی توی لباس شویی یا لباس شویی دست شویی همه جا را می گشتن خواستن که آلبوم های اکسمون هم ببینن پیتیف کتاب های مسیحی یا اکسی که با کیشیشی 
یا کسی گرفته باشه و بعد گفت تو رجا بگیر با شماره تلفن خونه وقتی گرفتم سریع گوشی ها از من با شدت گرفت و بعد که از تلفن خونه خودمون زنگ زدن به بابام ساعت هفت و هشت اشروب کم با من از خونه تماس گرفت و واقعا آیا ما میتونیم از این محلک یه جون سالم به در ببریم به محس که وارد خونه شدم چهار نفر مرد بودن دسته من بستم بابا رو دست بسته و چشم بسته سوار ماشین کردن بردنش حتی با ما نگفتن کجا فقط بردنش من اونجا مسیح ها کنار خودم احساس کرد بعد از رفتن بابا خب خیلی ترسیده بودیم و بله دعا میکردیم با عشقا مرد بسیار مهربونه و ساده دله ایمان ساده ای داره یک اتاق یک متر و نیم در دو متر و نیم خیلی زیاد و میخواد اونا در امنیت باشن اون منو دم سلوله سلولی برد که پر از جنایتکارا بودن و دوست داره برای اونام هر کاری که از دستش برمیاد انجام بده گفت میخواید همسر رو بچه هات بیارم منم شروع کردم بین درزای دیوار متوجه شدم کسای دیگه مثل من قبلا تو اون سلول بودن اون موقع من دادگاه خواست اون فرد گفت که کاری که شما کردین مبارزه با نظامه و تبلیغ مسیحیت تبشیری با توجه به اینکه شما مسلمون بودی و مسیحی شدی شما حکمت ارتداده حکم ارتدادم که همون حکمش ادامه اونجا بود که ازش خواستم پنج دقیقه بیرون برم گفتم تو باز هم حاضری به این مسیری که من هستم ادامه بدی اگه شرایط سختتر از اینم بشه تو باز هم با من هستی گفتم من واقعا تا آخرش با تو هستم ولی حاضر نیستم هیچ کدوممون به هیچ عنوان مسیح ها انکار کنیم من گفتم اگر به من گفت از 
دین مسیحیت بر بیا بیرون اون برگره نمیدنیستم اون گفت با هم دعا کنیم برای دل اون افرادم که توی اون بالا داشتن برحال حکمه میخواستن بنویسن برای اون هم دعا کردیم وقتی به دادگاه برگشتم قاضی گفت بنویس گفتم خدا محبت گفت امزا کن نمیدونم چرا امروز نمیدونم چرا دارم به تو حکم آزادی میدم اما اگه دفعه دیگه بگیرمت مطمئنن حکم ادامت امزا میکنم ما به خونه برگشتیم شروع کردیم دوباره به بشارت دادم فکر میکنم اون موضوع میتونست روی یعنی تونست روی ایمان ما بیشتر کار کنه جفا ایمان آدم ها قوی میکنه و توی سختیه که ایمان آدم ساخته میشه همونطور که به هوا احتیاج دارم برای که نفس بکشم فکر میکنم که به ایسا بیشتر از اون احتیاج دارم شنیده بودم که مامورا حمله میکنن تو خونه ها ولی یه جورایی اشتیاق داشتم هرچه سریعتر همه متوجه بشن که واقعا من به چه بهشتی دست یافتم و عیسی مسیح هم گفته که توی کلامش بروید امت ها رو شاگرد سازید و ما باید بشارت بدیم ولی ایران این شرایط رو برای ما مهیا نمیکنه تو خونه موندن مثل یک انسان دست و بابسته بود برای من و ما دیدیم که خیلی به همون دارن فشار میارن هر جا میرفتیم میدیدیم که یه ماشینی دنبالمون میاد ما توی خونه با هم دیگه این تصمیم ما گرفت برای مدت کوتاهی از ایران بیایم بیرون ما پنج نفرمون با هم دیگه تصمیم گرفتیم که هر چیزی که داریم و مثل خونه و سایل خونه واقعا وقتی که یه درختی ریشه داشته باشه یه جایی و بخواین شما اونو بکنی و ببرین جای دیگه مطمئنن خیلی سخت خیلی بیشتر از این چیزی که باشم بدم بازم ازش شد side of the world, we often speak of the persecuted church. But to the rest of the Christian world, it is just the church. This is what it means to be a Christian. By God's grace and kindness, we have freedom in this country to worship, to gather as we're doing this morning without any hindrance. But the love of freedom, prosperity, comfort, ease of life 
is a subtle lullaby that dulls our senses so that we think, if I can't go home and lie on a comfy couch and watch YouTube on my phone, then what has God done for me? All the while churches are being raided, Christians are arrested, thrown in prison, where they write songs extolling God's faithfulness to them and proclaiming all that God has done for them. Now, I'm not saying all Christians should take a vow of poverty or go and pursue persecution. That's not biblical. Nor am I saying that things that provide comfort or ease of life are bad. They aren't. But what your heart does with those things is of eternal significance. In Ireland and in the rest of the Western world, our faith battles not the the threat of imprisonment, nor the, the ransacking of our homes, nor a death sentence. Our faith battles on the ground of our affection. What do you love most in this world? Is it Christ, no matter the cost? Or is it a comfortable life where we entertain ourselves to death. In Proverbs 38-9, to the author writes this. He says, Give me neither poverty nor riches. Feed me with the food that is needful for me, lest I be full and deny you and say, Who is Yahweh? Or lest I be poor and steal and profane the name of my God. I said at the the outset of this sermon this morning that I believe there is a road that goes directly from one's baptism to persecution to death. It's a road that perhaps many wish wasn't there, but it's the road that is before the Christian to walk. And Mark begins his walk down this road this morning. And so with the little time that I have left remaining, I want to make a few applications of this subject to Mark in particular, but by extension to all who have been baptized. First, Mark, remember what you are declaring this morning through your baptism. This is a public declaration that you acknowledge that you are a sinner, that you've broken God's commands, that you've not lived for Him. But it's also a public declaration that you have trusted in Jesus, that He died for your sins, that He bore the punishment due you on Himself so that you might be forgiven. It's a public declaration that you are going to fight the sin in your life and keep Jesus on the pedestal of your affection. It is a public declaration that you are united to Jesus, that He is your Lord and Master, and that where He leads, you will follow. And it's here where the road begins. Because to walk behind King Jesus is not to walk down a road paved with gold while riding in a chariot. It is to walk down a dirt road barefoot, carrying the instrument of your own death, a cross. In Matthew 16, 24, Jesus says, If anyone would come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross and follow me. This leads to the second point, which is, if you're going to follow the lead of King Jesus, realize they hated him. And they will hate you too. In John 15, 18 to 20, Jesus says, If the world hates you, know that it has hated me before it hated you. If you were of the world, the world would love you as its own. But because you are not of the world, but I chose you out of the world, therefore the world hates you. 
Remember the word that I said to you. A servant is not greater than his master. If they persecuted me, they will also persecute you. Third, therefore, persecution and suffering will come to you. Your baptism is a declaration that you are united to Christ and are following after him. He was hated. He was persecuted. He was killed. A servant is not greater than his master. The road the Christian walks down is one of persecution. Paul wrote to Timothy in 2 Timothy 3.12 and said, Indeed, all who desire to live a godly life in Christ Jesus will be persecuted. Being baptized marks you as a follower of Jesus. Now, in this country, most people don't care. But go to the Middle East, to India, China, and the person baptized does so knowing they are inviting harassment and persecution from the authorities. Fourth, therefore, prepare now for suffering and persecution. How does one do that? How do you prepare ahead of time to be persecuted? You have to let Christ have his rightful place at the prime seat of your affections. Meditate on his word so that you're not just reading the Bible, but you're seeing Christ. You're beholding his magnificence. You're in awe of his sovereignty. You delight in his glory. You taste and see that the Lord is good. Christ is your treasure, if we are satisfied in him alone, then what does it matter if you are reviled? You're innocent before God. What does it matter if you're imprisoned? Christ has set you free from sin and death. What does it matter if you die? Die is gain. Instant, eternal, glorious gain. Rejoice and be glad for your reward in heaven is great. The author of the book of Hebrews reminds them of the time that they endured hard struggles with sufferings. He says, sometimes being publicly exposed to reproach and affliction, and sometimes being partners as those so treated. And then he says this, you joyfully accepted the plundering of your property since you know that you yourselves have a better possession and an abiding one. Love Christ more than your stuff, more than your life, and you will joyfully accept having everything you own taken away from you. Well, fifth and lastly, the degree of persecution and suffering on this road will not be the same for everyone. Some will seem to walk without so much as a scratch on them, while others have to be carried. They are so battered and bruised. But you walk the same road. You are on the same road, so remember them. Again, the author of the Hebrews, while reminding the readers of, of all the things that I just mentioned, he says in verse 34, For you had compassion on those in prison. While we are a part of this local body of Christ in Dundalk, Ireland, we are also part of the larger body, which extends across the world. And so we weep with those who weep. We pray for them. We remember their chains because you do not know the future. And in a short time, their chains might be yours. And it may be 
that on a given Sunday, a pastor in China stands up behind the pulpit and he starts his sermon this way. I want to begin this morning by reading you the lyrics of a song. You'll never hear this song played on the radio or Spotify. It will never win any awards. But it's a song worthy of our notice. The song, originally composed in English, is called 5 p.m. in Ireland. So we must remember their chains. This year, for the International Day of Prayer for the Persecuted Church, the focus is on China. Again, I want to put faces and voices with them, so we're going to watch this three-minute video in which three prayer requests are given at the end. And then I'm going to ask Les, if you would, to pray for the first one. I'm going to ask Stephen, if you would, to pray for the second one. And then I'll pray for the third one and close in prayer. Life uh, in China for Chinese Christians now uh, perhaps is uh, uh, the worst uh, since the end of uh, Cultural Revolution in 1970s. Under the current leadership of the Chinese Communist Party, President Xi Jinping, the persecution against the Christians and other religious minorities really uh, increased um, and worsened um, every day. And also, uh, under President Xi Jinping, in the name of so-called synthesization, uh, the, for the first time since the end of Cultural Revolution, uh, millions of Chinese government uh, sanctioned Christians and hundreds of thousands of churches were targeted and even being shut down and um, thousands of uh, crosses on, on the government church's building uh, were forcefully demolished and um, of course uh, many Christians were arrested and even tortured. Um, the, uh, some received uh, very serious, uh, long, harsh sentences. Um, for simply being a Christian uh, preacher and unborn church leaders. Yeah, you can pray uh, for these three things um, uh, in China. Uh, the first one is to pray for those who are persecuted, especially those prisoners of conscience, uh, those brothers and sisters who are imprisoned um, and uh, arrested uh, in prison, so that they know they're not fighting alone, uh, they're not isolated, and there are brothers and sisters who do care about them. The second thing is to pray for their family members, and oftentimes their wives and children had suffered a lot if uh, this pastor are in imprisonment. Uh, children could be expelled from their school. So third thing is uh, to pray for the persecutors. And pray for President Xi Jinping, for Premier Li Keqiang, and many Chinese security officers, so that their hearts can be softened by the gospel of Jesus Christ, so that by the work of the Holy Spirit, they could have a moment like Saul to Paul.
Heavenly Father, we <coughs> think of the prisoners, those who are being persecuted, as is so aptly described in that video. Oh Lord, we think of their worldly isolation, but not spiritualized isolation. Oh Lord, we, we pray that they grow in strength, not only for themselves, but as examples to all others who are looking at them, the guards and everybody else in there, fellow, fellow uh, prisoners, and also the people on the outside, that we all grow in strength in this persecution. It's first in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Father, as we pray for the prisoners, we think of their families. We just can hardly imagine what it would be like for families to be torn apart and for uh, mothers and fathers, wives, children uh, on the outside. Lord, we pray that you would comfort them, that even though they are physically separated, that they would be united together in you and that by the work of your spirit that they would feel that closeness, that they would feel that sense of you taking care of them. Help us, Lord, to be able in whatever practical way we can to help the families, Lord, of those who are persecuted. You know, many of them will be suffering from financial deprivation and all the things around that, Lord. And we pray that you'd help us to be a practical help to those who are in chains, that we would not forget, that we would not turn our face away, but that we would remember. For it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Heavenly Father. We remember the words that we read at the beginning of the service. You were dead in your trespasses and sins. That was all of us. Every single Christian who has ever then proclaimed the name of Christ was one who was dead in their trespasses and sins. And it's, no same, it's the exact same for every prison guard who watches over the Christian prisoners. It's the same for every government official. It's the same for Xi Jinping. All of them are dead in sin. And yet Paul can say, but God, who is rich in mercy turned them around and made them alive. And he reminds us that it is by grace that we have been saved. We ask that you would do that for the leader of China, this man who is tearing down churches and arresting Christians, that you would amaze the world by saving him. And that China would become a bastion of the glory of God in this world. Lord, we pray that we wouldn't just say these things, but we would actually believe that you can do it. Help us not to think that they're too powerful, they're too mighty, They have too much authority in this world. They're somehow beyond the reach of the omnipotent God. Who who can think like that? Every man and woman is like a grasshopper before you. So we pray that you would 
convert these individuals. You would have mercy on them, that you would pour out your love to them and let them see who is the true King of Kings. And that in a most amazing and ironic way, the world would watch as President Xi Jinping attends the early rain covenant church. What a sight that would be. Help us, Lord, as we prepare to take the Lord's Supper to remember that what we're doing, we are remembering that Christ himself was persecuted, that he was killed, but that he was offered up as a sacrifice on our behalf. How we do thank you for the death of Jesus. How we do thank you, Jesus, that you willingly came, you bore the wrath that was due us on your body, that we might have forgiveness, that we might have hope, that we might, when we die, get Jesus. And so we pray that as we take the Lord's Supper, it be a reminder to us that none of the things in this world mean anything to us but give us Jesus. May we take this with that heart for your glory, Lord. In Jesus' name, amen.